Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is CoreLogic executive Mark Weaver to talk about the tech transformation that's underway in the mortgage industry and how some companies are leveraging generative AI to pull ahead. When it comes to climate change, it's hard to know the impact it's going to have on our planet, let alone your portfolio. Climate Risk Analytics by CoreLogic will help you make consistent decisions from the national scale all the way down to individual properties. You can even assess projected losses for every structure in the continental United States with financial figures, actual numbers, not arbitrary letter grades. So one day when regulators ask how resilient your business is in the face of climate risk, be ready with Climate Risk Analytics by CoreLogic. Learn more at corelogic.com slash climate risk. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Love having you on. And we have a really important topic today. And it really was spurred from something that you're seeing within your customers, where you're seeing a lot of digital transformation and seeing them making investments of tech and, you know, leveraging data and analytics. I really wanted to dig into that because you're seeing, uh, you know, differentiation there. It's really making an impact on their bottom line. Sure. So what's really interesting across the board, of course, is that companies are making big investments in digital transformation exercises, typically centered around leveraging data scientists and data and analytics to overhaul how they foundationally run, understand, and operate their business. And what's interesting to your point, despite the current market that we're in, where volumes and inventory is low, um, mortgage Uh, Mortgage refinancing has effectively dried up due to the high interest rates. Um, What's been really interesting, despite all these headwinds in our industries, a lot of our customers are making continued investments, actually accelerating their investments in these types of digital transformation programs because when done right, what it can enable the business from a competitive differentiation uh, perspective uh, and, and really add um, uh, a unique perspective uh, to how they r- run and, uh, and operate their business um, is really tangible, which is why in spite of the current market petitions, we're still seeing an incredible amount of investments in these types of digital transformation uh, exercises. And really, um, this was the promise of technology for mortgage companies, right? I mean, this was what we hoped would happen and we assumed would happen is that as as companies made more of these investments, it would make them more efficient. It would it would help them, um, you know, serve customers better. There's all these different things that it can do. And so it's interesting that you see as when we were talking about it earlier, you said, you know, it's kind of like our, mor- our the mortgage industry is riding a wave of this right now. Yeah, that's exactly right. And what's really interesting in all of this, actually, is that a lot of these types of practices as it relates to our industries especially around um, mortgage and real estate and also, frankly, uh, insurance, was a lot of these prop tech and insurance businesses that were born in the 2015-2016 area. When all these companies formed, when all these entrepreneurs were going out raising venture capital to go build really interesting businesses to disrupt how consumers find, buy, and protect their homes, a lot of those companies back then um, 
were basically building their businesses in the cloud from the ground up. And when they were approaching CoreLogic to help, to, to seek our help in, in supporting uh, their startups, they weren't interested in buying what I call like our traditional kind of legacy solutions that we sell to, uh, for example, the mortgage industry today, right? So we sell a lot of like platforms and workflow solutions and kind of point to point solutions to the industries for them to get the job done. A lot of these uh, tech startups weren't interested in buying our traditional solutions that we service the mortgage industry with. But they were interested in buying and consuming all the raw data analytics that we use inside CoreLogic um, to build our solutions to those industries. So, so the wave of sophistication in leveraging these types of practices actually started with kind of like the prop tech and the insure techs around sort of six, seven, eight years ago. But now what we're seeing as these, uh, as these business practices has become more mainstream, we're now seeing a significant amount of do- adoption uh, inside the mortgage industry, uh, inside the insurance industry, and inside the real estate industry, right, where uh, these businesses are making significant investments in technology and people and processes, leveraging data science, data analytics to foundationally overhaul how they run, operate, and understand their business. So can you give us some examples of some of your customers, what they're doing, how they're, how they're using those investments and embedding data and analytics, generative AI, whatever they're doing to really use that to their advantage? Sure. The interesting thing is that it's actually full customer lifecycle. So we're supporting all sorts of requests starting from the very top of the funnel. How do I segment my customers better? Um, how do I market to my customers in a more personalized way? Um, how can I use um, online and offline human behavioral signals to figure out are they in the home buying journey or not? So lots of use cases at the very top of the funnel. And then, of course, um, as they move through the acquisition funnel, lots of data and analytics used there to try and optimize and refine the buyer journey to convert. And then, of course, once it's in the portfolio, um, in, the, in the servicing portfolio, lots and lots as well to try and identify, uh, to try and prevent and anticipate churn uh, or fraud or um, all sorts of all sorts of other um, signals. But the bottom line is our customers, and by the way, you can also translate that by the way into a real estate and an insurance use case as well, but certainly they're using it. They're using and leveraging these types of capabilities full life cycle from the very top of the funnel all the way through to uh, the servicing portfolio up to and including disposition. So it really is full life cycle. You know, we've, um, we had a, a time in our industry when people just had a bunch of point solutions, right? It's like, I have this and I tack on this, I do this. Do you see that more or do you see the most successful companies kind of coming in and having an integrated system? What does that look like now? It, it's actually, it's actually both, right? So as I said earlier, we, we are in a very fortunate position. Let's go back to the mortgage industry where, um, a lot of the, the foundational workflows as to how that, as to how the job gets done. Um, we're kind of powering and enabling that. And to your point, traditionally that was done through platforms and point-to-point solutions and workflow solutions. Now with these types of investments where our customers can also uh, in- procure and ingest the raw data to then build uh, models inside their own kind of cloud and tech stacks, and that is actually augmenting and making stickier our solutions that we have, uh, those point-to-point solutions that actually get the job done because um, our industries are still very human capital intensive, right? 
So um, all the all the solutions that we serve up today are still being obviously used and deployed, but now they're being augmented and complemented and driving efficiencies um, through that through through the through the cloud and tech stacks to be able to build and run those analytics. When I think about that kind of um, data, you know, working with that kind of data, working with that kind of an analysis, I feel like, you know, is what kind of investment is that? Is that like I have to be big enough to have a data scientist, a team of data, data scientists? What does that look like to be able to handle your own data? Um, it's a great question. Initially, in the very early stages of this, to be point, there was a relatively high barrier to entry, right? Because you had to make significant investments in people and technology. Um, as... Um, the technology has improved and this becomes more mainstream. I'd say that there's certainly more adoption now, not only at kind of like the tier one enterprise level, but also going into the, uh, the middle market and beyond because the barrier to entry um, ha- has diminished. Also, we've co-innovated to support a lot of these use cases, right? So, um, and we're now building and innovating uh, in a lot of these big cloud and tech stacks where our customers uh, are moving to in order to build and run their data and analytics. So uh, our partnerships with companies like Snowflake and Databricks and AWS and um, Google Cloud Platform, where we're enabling our data and analytics and also building and innovating use cases and models inside those ecosystems to help accelerate our customers' digital transformation journeys. And that's also supported by our own kind of uh, our own pr- proprietary uh, discovery platform, which does a lot of the same things, but is our own platform equivalent uh, to everything I just described. So we're doing a lot to support and accelerate our customers' digital transformation journeys with our innovation roadmap, with our partner strategy, and our own product roadmap, which is our discovery platform, to enable all this stuff. And it's consistent. So what's available in our discovery platform is also available in those uh, cloud partners that I mentioned um, to truly give our customers choice and flexibility. Uh, to accelerate whatever they're up to, leveraging data and analytics. Is that a real difference for CoreLogic when you think about it? Like, you know, we're the we're the tech solution provider. We we have all these things, and then to instead be like, we're this partner to like, we see what you're doing. Here's how we can come alongside. Or is that something that you guys have always done? No, it's been a relatively um, uh, it's it's been a relatively um, new way to go to market. Um, so as these big tech ecosystems are emerging that lots and lots of our customers are migrating to to do all this type of work um it's been a bit of a a a mind change for us to not only have like a product native strategy um you know building on the the products and services that we have in market today to get the job done but also learning how to support this relatively new world inside our industries where how do we support our customers on these digital transformation journeys and make it easier for them to get a return um, on investment? And also, frankly, all of this is possible because these ne- these new technologies now now exist. CoreLogic as a data and analytics business, and this just goes not just to, to CoreLogic, but all data and analytics businesses. Until very recently, data and analytics businesses have gone to market the same way for two or three decades, right? How we as a data and analytics business would support our customers, right? So you look at any data anal- analytics business, no matter what industry it's in or what markets it serves, has gone to market pretty much in the same way for 20 to 30 years, right? Lots of SFTP files flying around the internet, right? Lots of API calls, right? On a transactional basis, right? And every data analytics business will have some type of 
web-based UI product that gives you a little shot window into the data uh, and analytical assets of that company, right? And you look at any data and analytics business across the world, and that's pretty much how they've gone to market for the last 20 to 30 years. It's only been in the last, call it five years, really, where a lot of these big cloud computing companies have, have come in and, inter- and, and changed how we as a data and analytics business can support our customers and meet them in their world, in their cloud and tech stacks where they live, where they're, they're building their models and their analytics. And we can now bring our data and analytical assets and also start to build products like apps inside these cloud ecosystems to accelerate our customers' digital transformation journey. So not only are our customers kind of finding their way through this, but we as a data and analytics business also have additional opportunities um, as a result of these enabling technologies that weren't available just a few short years ago. It's got to be fun as as a tech person at a tech company to be like, you know, this seeing the sophistication level of clients, you know, in our whole industry rise and then seeing what else you can do with that. It's not the same old things. It's not this. It's not the basic problems you're solving. Oh, no, that's 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 exactly right. And um, now we're talking about the whole generative AI thing, right? And how AI and machine learning enters into this um, whole equation uh, as well. So the sophistication level is um, on, a, on, a, on an unparalleled trajectory, right? And, you know, the promise of AI to take data and analytics very much from hindsight to foresight, which is really the true promise uh, of AI, right? So if you think about where data and analytics was, you know, just even a short decade ago, it was very much oriented on, on what happened, right? It was pretty much using the data inside the business. Let's try and figure out, like, what happened and let's try and use what happened to try and anticipate maybe what will happen. Um, then ML came along, predictive modeling came along, and then you could start to experiment. Now, well, what will happen, right? What, let's build a model that will try and tell us what will happen. Um, and now with the promise of AI and generative AI, um, when that thing does happen, how should we respond and ultimately automate making the best decision, right? So this the, the, the sophistication uh, level as well that we're seeing, especially with the promise um, of AI and generative AI now coming into the picture, there are use cases that we probably haven't even thought of yet that are going to be possible um, before we know it. I think that's so interesting. So when you say generative AI, when you talk about, you know, we can predict what will happen and then what we should do, um, can you give me an example of that? Like if I'm not a tech person, it's like, what does that look like in mortgage or real estate or insurance? You know, it's, it's a great question, by the way. And we as an industry, right, are all collectively trying to get our arms around how do we leverage and use these new type of capabilities actually to, to, to implement and solve real world business problems? Right. So when I think of this, um, there's a, there's a few examples I can give in mortgage, right? So, um, help me predict, anticipate and take corrective action around churn and retention in my portfolio, right? So how can I use all this technologies to, to, to extract signals and extrapolate out what loans in my portfolio are at risk of, of, of churning, right? Um, closely correlated to that is using um, signals and predictive models to anticipate who's not who's in market right now right who, who who's in market to go buy a new home right what what predictive signals can I extract from their online and offline behavior to try and give me a strong signal as to who's 
who's in market to buy or sell at home. So like I say, to help businesses grow, to help businesses retain and, and, and mitigate churn are, are two examples of many that, that we will be able to, um, to capitalize on as we go forward. So I can imagine that if you are a company in our space, you have some of those tools, but I've seen the discovery platform and I know that your predictive tools or, or the signals especially that you guys can look at um, uh, a buying signal, something like that is, is just really on another level. So I can imagine that those two things together really work well. No, ab- absolutely. So with those, um, with those um, predictive signals around, who looks like uh, uh, who looks like an in-market active home buyer? Uh, then, when you when you overlay those types of signals into a machine learning model as well to even optimize that signal even further, um, it does get very very powerful uh, very very quickly. To your point. So, you know, we've talked about the tech stack a little bit, but there's this whole other part of any sort of tech really working. For in a company's favor and and them being able to leverage it. And that's their people, right? So there's technology and then there's the people who are creating the workflows around it. There's the people who are leveraging it. So as you work with your customers, do you see that they are hiring the, a different kind of person to to be able to do this? Or do they do they recognize that it's not just here, here's some tech? Oh yeah, no, no, no doubt. And in fact, back to um, some of the some some of the some of the market leading uh, businesses that are embracing these types of technologies. It's not just a technology play, right? You, you've got to have the right tech stack and the right tools, but you also need to have the right people, um, mostly data scientists and analysts, right, that can actually that, that can actually build, run, operate, um, and govern um, the, 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 these models and these capabilities because um, it's a lot of work. I need to build them in the first place, but, in, but to keep monitoring them um, and, and ensuring that, and ensuring that they, that they continue to work. Um, so yeah, there's a huge investment in um, obviously in, in in the human capital side on the data scientists and the analyst side, um, and also from the C-suite down, they also have to get on board with actually leveraging this as a foundational way that they're now going to run and operate their business. And it has to be continued investments in it. Um, and you also have to get kind of get your head around it as well. Right? If you're going to put more faith into predictive modeling and AI to kind of tell you how to run your business. And like I said, in some cases, not just tell you, but also take corrective action, right? Without necessarily a human being even being part of that process. There's, there's, there's also some, um, some cultural um, uh, barriers that also need to be overcome to truly embrace it. But what the research has also shown, the businesses that do embrace this and do it in the right way, with everything I just described from the right technology, the right processes, the right people, the right culture, the right mandate from the C-suite down, it does actually have a tangible uh, impact, not only on they can differentiate themselves uh, and become more efficient at what they do, but there's also a measurable financial impact as well um, to, 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 to profitability, uh, ongoing profitability that has been pro- proven out in a, in a few research studies out there with the companies that get this right. You know, we did um, a story this week, actually, on, you know, the IMBs, the independent mortgage banks that you see sort of pulling ahead or, you know, the ones that have not just survived, but seem to be uh, in a really good position. Nobody had a great second quarter, but uh, it was interesting to see that we did we did have at least one company that had profits. And we see on the origination of loans, like the um, MBA put out their 
their research and how much the average you know, lender is losing on every loan has gone down quite a bit. So maybe we found the bottom there. But what we really what we're already seeing is that the winners of the market, right? There's always winners in any market. And I think that in this one, you're going to see tech play a part that it it didn't play in 2008. It couldn't have. It, there wasn't the kind of tech there. Um, what do you think of that? No, th- th- that's exactly right. These types of programs done well, implemented well with the right level of investment along I just described it will lead to a point of differentiation, ultimately competitive advantage, um, because there's going to be at least a short medium term window when doing this type of stuff will give you that level of differentiation and advantage to close that loan that your competitor wasn't even aware that that, that, that was a, that, that that was a home shopper in market, right? So there will be tangible results, right? Between the leaders and the laggards in this space. And to your point, we're already starting to, the data is already starting to show us that. And then I would think there is, you know, beyond that sort of first mover advantage, there's just the fact that if you have created a culture where people expect this, where where you've made this investment and going forward, even if someone else is doing that now, like it, like the sooner you get in, the better, right? Because you're laying a foundation that's just going to continue to pay off as you go. That's that's exactly right, and you you know, just like the promise of the internet in the 90s businesses were trying to figure out how they embraced it, how they used it, how it was going to change the way they did things. And then you look at just over a decade ago and everyone was talking about big data to run analytics, right? Eventually, this stuff will become table stakes and mainstream. There is a short medium, uh, there is a short medium term window of competitive advantage and differentiation. But at the same time as well, if you don't embrace it and you don't get on the bandwagon and you don't have a strategy around it, um, it will cost you dear. Uh, because uh, your competitors that do figure it out and figure out how to do it well uh, will be gathering more market share uh, than you are. Uh, And that could very possibly be one of the reasons why. You talked about how um, some of this, you know, especially the generative AI wasn't even really available five years ago in in this way. Do you feel like if you were going to chart us, are, are we still at a pretty early stage in this or are we getting more advanced no, we're still very, very, very early, right? And I'll give you a couple of examples of that. So um, a lot of the big players in generative AI and AI and tech generally are coming to, to us, CoreLogic, saying, how do we go build some really interesting cool products together, leveraging our Gen AI or leveraging LLMs? And how, how do we lean in and like build some really cool things together that enable your industries? Um, and that's great and all, but we're still in a relative stage of immaturity. Why, of course, we're considering that and we're, and we're starting to think about building, but 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 it's still not. We're still not at a, at a point where I don't think either. Even if even if we were building, for example, uh, generative AI models that our customers could then go use and deploy inside their business, um, a lot of our customers themselves are wrestling with how they leverage this for internal use cases, right? They're going through this journey as well. Like how do we leverage these technologies to for, for internal use cases, let alone before they even consider buying this type of capability from uh, like a strategic partner or vendor like CoreLogic to their business? So it is still relatively early stages. It will play out like everything else does pretty quickly. And for sure, our product portfolio, as I look forward, you know, a couple of years uh, uh, and beyond, there'll be lots of our products and solutions that are leveraging these types of types of capabilities but for now we're still very 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 early and another reason reason by the way we are early is because um 
you've got to also think about the internal monitoring and governance that you have to think about. If you're now going to rely on a machine learning model and generative AI to to do the things I just described earlier, right? Not only tell you what's happening in the business, but also taking course correcting action or taking action against the output of that model, right? How you govern that and monitor that and ensure that it's still performing as you would expect it to perform. There is a whole process of governance and monitoring um, that has to go into, if you're going to put so much reliance on these types of capabilities, right? With associated actions, there's a pretty big cultural and internal type of uh, transformation that has to happen to truly embrace the true potential of what the, these types of technologies can enable. I can only imagine. I mean, even when you just think about, you know, what it takes to go from like a, a manual to automated to like, okay, we've automated the checklist, that sort of mentality. I mean, this is so much farther than that. This is so, so many generations beyond that. And yet we know that there are people who struggle with, you know, like, what's the best way to do that? Or, or they're just like entangled in their old tech. Right. No, no, that's exactly right. And lots of people right now are talking about it. Lots of people aren't as confident and sure as to how they're going to enable it and operationalize it, given everything that I just described. It's an inevitability. It's going to happen. But it's still relatively early days. It's going to be super exciting as all this stuff unfolds and becomes more widely adopted and mainstream and accepted. Um, but it's a pretty exciting time um, to be kind of part of this, um, especially in our industries, right, which to your point, uh, who haven't necessarily been the fastest moving to embrace um, technology um, over, over, over the decades. But um, I'm constantly impressed and astonished by the rate at which our industry is making these investments and moving quickly, leveraging these types of capability. That's great. Okay, so I want to ask you a question because here you here you see the whole you see a whole bunch of stuff that nobody else does. What gets you the most excited? What technology or capability or implementation um, or what you see a company doing leveraging tech right now that you're like that is super cool. I love that. Yeah, I, I think it's what I described earlier. All the stuff around the top of the funnel and trying to I identify who's actually truly in market to buy a home, to sell a home. All the predictive modeling and analytics around at the top of the funnel um, to really, really elevate. And, and going back to, like I say, traditionally we've used lots of like online types of behavior, clicks, like who's going to, like who's, who's clicking, who's searching. But now the ability to marry online behaviors with physical human behaviors in the real world, overlay that onto each other uh, to come up with some propensity or predictability to be in market to buy or sell a home. Um, that type of capability in terms of and how that ultra level of personalization as well to the consumer, reaching them at the right time, uh, at the right moment, with the right message um, is extremely exciting for me and what that brings. I think that that uh, real world application, the like not online, but the offline stuff is really interesting. 
and and will continue to be. And I think it would surprise people um, how much information that you can leverage there and and what it can do for your business. Yeah, no, no, that's exactly right. So the enabling capabilities of this across the board um, are super, super exciting. Well, Mark, thank you so much for being here. Really great to talk to you. Always love finding out what you guys are doing, but especially on this one, I love hearing what you're seeing across the industry because you do work with so many people. And for you to say, you know, you you see like this wave coming, you see this real um, implementation and leveraging of these new technologies, really exciting. No, it's great. I wish I could disclose names, but there are companies that you would never think in a million years that are on this bandwagon who are making significant investments in it. Like this is this is real, this is mainstream, and it's going to be super exciting to watch um, as this thing unfolds. Oh, you can't tell a journalist, oh, you know, I wish I could tell you, like, no, tell me. <laughs> I guess I'll just have to wait just like everyone else. Yeah. Thank you so much, Mark. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.